listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. Let's kick off today's PR Wind Down with a horror story. Everybody loves a good PR horror story. So today's... <laughs> is from somebody we don't know as most of them are. All right, here we go. I worked with a wine company that had a reputation for being, well, cheap, very cheap. It was incredibly difficult to get anyone to cover the brand as the wine critics wouldn't even open my pitches. And who really writes about cheap wine anyway? Mad Dog 2020 or something. That's, that's me, <laughs> not the letter. Okay, back to the letter. This company was about to launch a new sparkling wine and I needed to find a way to publicize it. Oh my, cheap sparkling wine, every reporter's dream, ugh. So I invented a multifaceted campaign with multiple moving pieces that I thought was our best bet. It involved a voting platform for consumers to choose their top 10 American sparkling cities. A B-list celebrity spokesperson, I wonder who that was, that was again me, an event at the most sparkling city featuring a speech by the mayor and an on-site media tour with the B-list spokesperson. It seemed like a brilliant idea to me and everyone else. Even PR Week agreed and wrote a story about the innovative approach. The problem was it generated almost zero meaningful media coverage in the end. (laughs) Oh, God. Certainly not enough to justify the big budget that went into it. Oh, my god (laughs) that was in the letter but that was my fran drescher take on it what did i tell my boss what did i tell the client how could i have known even this creative approach wouldn't get the attention of the media it was absolutely horrifying and that's where it ends oh my god so some big budget production with all these moving pieces that must have taken like months to plan and how many people probably had to work on it from both sides. All these people working on it, event planners. I wonder what city turned out to be the most sparkling city. Oh my God. And nobody and covered it or like, probably like the local newspaper. P- PR, PR week. <laughs> right, so the, so the PR person got like their just desserts and the client didn't. <laughs> That's funny. I got, I, I did something once that um, more than one, and it wasn't even PR week, it was like legit reporters said like, I don't know so much about if this is going to work, but the PR strategy behind it was really inscre- incredible. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, I just had to give myself a little credit, but let's get back to the letter here. So it's, I like the ideas that this unknown PR person had. Right. And I have done a little work not so long ago, just a small project for a inexpensive wine that had a little bit of a twist on it and nobody would cover it. And it actually did get coverage in like a a national publication, but the coverage was coincidental to my pitch. Like the reporter ignored my pitch and went and wrote about this company without talking to the client without talking to the founders and without talking to me. But again, it was, you know, I guess in the wine business, and I'm not real seeped in wine, there's a lot of wine snobbery. 
Oh, yeah. So wine writers, like, you know, wine spectator, they're not writing about this garbage. That's like, you know, oh. would they write about, you know, Diet Pepsi? No, it's the same thing to them. So. Right. So then what are you left with, right? Because if you pitch right. a features reporter, they're going to say, we'll talk to our spirits writer. Right. The spirits writer is going to say, I'm not going to cover yeah. this. Right. So, the so how do you. So you come so, up with like a stunt of sorts, right? Right. Which sounds actually pretty on brand and pretty compelling i mean it makes it makes me wonder was it uh, was it that there were so many moving pieces and so much that went into it that the media relations side kind of fell off the wagon and didn't get enough right. attention like the event was cool but like the media relations was not focused on as much maybe right maybe it was just so overwhelming with all the moving pieces almost who knows what it was like because now i feel like there's a lot of like between help a reporter out and different facebook groups and twitter groups of reporters asking for ideas and interviews there might have been other opportunities there and maybe those kinds of you know no social media stuff uh, existed whatever like that well that's true right and 15, if they didn't say, right if it was a while back and they didn't say anything about right. social then right social buzz would have generated right. something right right but back in the day it would have just been like crickets on the press end i mean if there was an interesting marketing campaign behind it maybe then like the trades would have picked it up or something Right. Maybe it was also, I mean, that could be, the, that could have been part of the problem too. If the client didn't actually, they were just doing it strictly as a PR stunt, but didn't actually put an ad or marketing spend behind it. Right. Right. Maybe was it just fell a consumer? flat. Right. Maybe or, it was just. I mean, with things like this, like with perfume and whatever, you have to have some celebrity like spokesperson or salesperson behind it too. Oh, there said, was one. Yeah. They said B list. But I wonder like. But maybe it was C list. Maybe it was sort of not. Or maybe it wasn't anybody that people want to talk to. Right. I like, I'm seeing like some sort of female hip hop star, like using it in a video, like, like my hip hop dance. Um, you know what I mean? So like, this would be funny. How about like a uh, minor league baseball team? And so when they win the minor league championships, that's like the quote champagne that they use to celebrate in the locker room. Right. That's clever. But like, how do you get media coverage for it? I mean, right. No. And the bigger question is how do you not stick your neck out on something like this that sounds great to. on paper and then what the hell do you do if it doesn't land i know you just you have to you have no choice just but to gamble right right because you can't like test it what hey we're gonna do a survey to find out right. america's most sparkling city if it's if it's one of these five cities would you want to do a story i mean you can't can't even right. run it by your friendlies right not really Tough one. So I wonder what happened. Like to the client, did they get fired? Did they carry on? This is why I have done less, much less consumer PR because it's a lot of times it's really hit or miss. You know, like here, everybody buy my cookies. Well, I don't know. Maybe there was four other kinds of cookies that launched the same month and they didn't include your cookie. <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. Well, I think the other thing you run into with some of those things is if it looks like so obviously that it's a stunt, does the press get turned off by that? If it's like, well, what did you right. say? Mad, mad dog or I don't mad know. Dog 2020. That's, you know, cheap wine. Horrible. Right. So if it's mad dog 2020 and they do something like that and everybody kind of knows it's 
Right. It, that's so bad that like, it's like somebody at USA Today might do a story on it because it's like this renowned, like horrible brand, you know, like somebody might do a big story on like Budgie the Whale from Carvel or something like that because it's so funny and quirky. But if it's just like a new sparkling wine that doesn't cost a lot, like who cares, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. I mean, if it was oh, like, yeah. you know, in rainbow colors or I, who knows, you know, it has to be, there has to be some sort of, and then maybe like a marketing or you know, product type reporter might have picked it up because for its quirkiness, but it doesn't sound like it had enough of that factor going. Uh, maybe it was, I mean, it could also have been, right, maybe it was like, if it was its own thing and not part of marketing or advertising, maybe there just wasn't quite enough spent to make it hit the mark, right? Like maybe the spokesperson was a little bit too cheap and maybe the maybe the event was a little too cheesy, right? Maybe it wasn't grandiose enough or something, right? But how do you know it? What, what's the tipping point where you spent? Because then you money. even, well, then you gamble that more much money. more right, of the right. client's budget only to find out you got, you know, PR week to do the story. That's why consumer PR, man. And, and yes, and I'm learning a little bit more about like the whole wine thing even more so because it's a very insular industry. Right. It's its own thing for sure. Yeah. Ugh. Well, sorry to that person for kind of hard knock. Maybe they were just a horrible PR person. <laughs> no, yeah. That's a great, it's a great idea. So regardless. <laughs> no, it really is. I like the idea. Like, yeah, it's very creative. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say past that other than damn. That is horrifying. That's, I think that's one of our first horror stories that's not being done to them necessarily, but right. just something falling right. flat and we're like, oh God. Right. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good new genre of horror story for anyone. Gotta... It is. I don't think, yeah, we haven't talked about it from that angle, like a client or a project that just like was impossible for nobody's fault, but crash burn. timing or whatever. Well, I think that's enough about our horror story. And I think our guest, Rembrandt, is about to join us, Flora. So today on the PR Windown, we're welcoming Rembrandt Flores. He's the co-founder of Entertainment Fusion Group, as well as the managing partner. And we're going to be discussing all things social media verification, influencer relations, and celebrity engagement. And um, I'd love for you to share quickly anything you want to about your agency and what, what your agency does. Yes. So... Entertainment Fusion Group is a full-service communication agency, and we mainly focus on entertainment marketing, uh, influencer outreach, and celebrity partnerships. So brands really come to us and say, like, hey, we want some buzz press, or hey, we want influencers, or to work with celebrities to help with our brands. So, you know, we work anywhere from clients who do consumer, entertainment, lifestyle, tech, um, but specifically, again, for those three areas of focus, um, we worked with Altwell, Hab, Moon, Bitable, Cameo, Casper, Koyo, Colourpop, you name it, we probably worked on it um, in some way or another. Cool. This well, is how out of it I am. I don't know one thing that he just named. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't hear Wrangler or Jordash, so I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we don't work with those. We wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm sure they need influencers too. It could be like the retro <laughs> ironic thing, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
exactly. And, and you have a, an interesting backstory. Normally, I don't ask people to give their sort of bios, but I think it's interesting that you actually worked at E News, right, as a producer. Yeah. So I worked at E um, in the international production uh, department, and they had two shows. One called uh, FYE for Your Entertainment, ECU Extreme Close Up. And so, yeah, I was producing segments for that for their show. So my job there basically had me doing a lot of things, but one of them is going on shoots, obviously, with talent um, and in different locations. And every time I was on a shoot, without fail, everyone said, like, you're the publicist, right? I'm like, no. You don't do the PR? I'm like, no. I didn't even know what PR stood for, to be honest with you, April. <laughs> I think at that time that PR stood for Puerto Rico, and I had to Google it and realize that's not what they meant by PR. So, needless to say, so funny. I uh, I left E and uh, started my own agency with someone who recruited me and said like we need to start our own PR agency. And then the rest is history. I love it. And you already knew all these people, right? So you have all these celebrity yeah, friends. Yeah, I, I was and... very lucky that you know E provided me with um, not provided me with the Rolodex, but I definitely was able to fill out my Rolodex um, while working there for a couple years. So it all happened for a reason. I think that I was always meant to do this. And uh, yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love love this story. Yeah. What do you you think are some of the misnomers, the top falsehoods or misunderstandings about influencer outreach and influencer relations? I think people probably believe that it's just so easy or probably think that every influencer somebody gets paid a certain amount of money to do posts or whatnot and that's it's not true (laughs) Um, (laughs) because to get through to these influencers oh just pay them and give them product they'll do anything that's not the case at all a lot of them are very very protective of their brands and again it takes a special relationship or at least a special product that is going Mm -hmm. to move the needle for these influencer celebrities because they have a million brands going after them, but if they don't like it, they won't post about it or they won't even talk about it or even want to talk to you about that brand. So it's a difficult process and there's a lot of work and a lot of time and energy that goes behind the scenes to get people involved, whether it be Instagram or Snapchat or uh, TikTok. There's a lot of planning that goes with it. So it's, it's a lengthy process right. to get these things done that you see. I saw Laura raise her hand. Right. Laura. <laughs> Laura. Go for we it. have a logistical question. Let's go for so it. So how these days does somebody get verified on Instagram? How? Yeah, with the little, you know, check oh, yeah. mark. How do they do it? So there's two ways. So one is Instagram will verify you if you are quote unquote of note within your field, right? So it doesn't just have to be an influencer. It doesn't have to be just a celebrity or a musician or whatnot. The other way is that you can now self-verify on Instagram, right? But that doesn't always work. The truest way to get verified on Instagram is having what they've told me was having a, a minimum of 10 articles written about you, right? So. And those articles have to be in certain uh, publications. If Iowa Daily does something on you, it doesn't mean that you're going to get verified. They kind of right. need to become, come from like 
a Forbes, a Fortune, CNN, sort of the top tier rated outlets, and kind of 10 of those. So if you really have 10 outlets of, from top tier outlets who are writing about you or covering you, then you're probably going to get verified. No matter if you have one follower or a billion Mm. followers, it doesn't matter. If the media is covering you, then they take you seriously. We should, we should verify them because the likelihood of them being copied is highly likely. Uh, so they want to get you verified before that before happens. Before that happens, because there's going to be a lot of misinformation coming from right. a source if they're not verified. And then everyone's like, oh, but we thought it was that person. Right. But they didn't know because they were not verified or not verified. What if um, the person is written a lot in like major publications because, you know, they got arrested. <laughs> exactly. So even if even if it's for something bad, right. they'll still verify them. Okay. If, again, it's from <laughs> top tier publications or outlets. But the okay. answer to that is yes. They will get verified. That's funny. Okay. That explains yeah. a lot. Yeah. So that's <laughs> April's also a shoe in to get verified. Exactly. So April, Laura, that's all you guys need to do <laughs> is um, get arrested and have it covered by ABC News, NBC News, CNN, Fox News. So um, and then you're, then you're verified. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> that's too funny. So what are some of the celebrities and influencers that be most excited right now? Do you have sort of the, you know, everyone wants Kim Kardashian and fill in the blank behind that or are there, you know- Behind, kind of the- sorry. Yeah, behind, uh, <laughs> very interesting choice of words there, April. Um, right, Freudian slip. <laughs> Of course it was. So let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of celebrities, yes, there are people that people always want to work with because they move the needle so much. So are the names, if your last name is Kardashian or Jenner, do you, do, do brands always want them? Yes. Like they keep coming up in conversations all the time, but the reality is, do I think you should use them? Probably not because they have so many brands already attached to them that I think it's sort of, uh, it muddies it a little bit. And then you're not going to get sort of the attention that you need, depending on if you're a new brand or not. Right. right? It doesn't so, seem as legit or something, I guess. Correct. Either. So to me, it's always finding someone that really, how to say this, it fits the brand better, I guess. So it is taking the time to really sit down and go like, Hey, who really kind of fits our brand? So if you are, let's say, a gluten-free brand and you're not using a celebrity that's actually gluten-free, then that's a really missed opportunity, in my opinion, right? There are a lot of celebrities who are gluten-free, so why don't you choose them versus having someone hawk your brand who is not exactly, you know, shouldn't be talking about the brand. Right, it's not um, part of their lifestyle exactly. otherwise. Same thing yeah. if it was like keto or vegan or whatever, same thing. And you know, with clothes, like a lot of the conversation we have are saying that uh, a lot of brands come to me like, hey, we're a sustainable brand. Okay, great, how are you sustainable? Tell me what makes you sustainable? Why do you say you're sustainable? And then finding celebrities or influencers who actually have said that we are only gonna work with sustainable brands. So to me, why don't you work with those celebrities who said that versus trying to make someone who wasn't sustainable to begin with and saying like, hey, since we are a sustainable brand, we're going to pay you to be sustainable. Right. That to me doesn't read well. Um, And it's not authentic. And 
So I'd rather go the other way and finding people who have been uh, talking about sustainability from right. the get-go. That would be better because obviously they're going to talk about it organically and it's more real than not real. And then their audience are going to, you know, follow through with saying like, okay, well, she's always been, you know, talking about sustainable fashion. And now she says that this brand is one of the most sustainable fashion brands. So, you know, let's, let's really buy that brand because we believe her because she's always been talking about it forever, not just since it became popular. Right. You know, it's funny. We just had a horror story of somebody who hired a B-list celebrity as a spokesperson for this big grandiose campaign for super cheap wine. Uh And it totally fell flat. Didn't get any media coverage after they spent all this money. So sad. I know. So sad. Do you think based on your experience with hiring celebrities and, and also, you know, the interfacing with PR and doing it yourself, do you think that there's a, a threshold at which that celebrity has to be, you know, has to meet before it tips over into media coverage or is it still just a crapshoot every time or a guessing game? No, it, I, I don't think it has to be a crapshoot every single time, but you know, I'm so sad that that agency and that brand didn't figure it out ahead of time. Like, there has to be a lot of homework done prior to using anyone. There must have been other campaigns that the celebrity did do that were successful for them to choose this person. To me, I'm always looking at past engagement again with, with if I'm going to choose a celebrity or influencers, show me case studies, show me something you did. I want to see the, I want to see the stats. I want to see everything in regards to something before, I'm gonna pay you a six figure check or a seven figure check, whatever it is. So that doesn't ever happen, at least when I, you know, when we decide to to work with a celebrity influencer because we already did our homework, we already did our due diligence and saying like, Mm -hmm. this is the reason why we wanna choose this person because this brand really does reflect um, sort of, I guess, the brand of that celebrity or influencer Mm -hmm. and vice versa, right? So it has to be a perfect match or as close to perfect match as possible for it to feel real and to get the engagement and to get the ROI that that brand really wants. Do you go out and to find people or, or do these like celebrities or influencers come to you or both? And are you dealing with like their managers or their agents? Yeah, the majority of the work really is us going out to them, right? There's way more of them than us. So there are now a gazillion, I would say, quote unquote, influencers, right? Everyone thinks they're an influencer now. And they probably are, you know, to some degree. As far as figuring out who makes sense, we have to come up with that list as an agency and say like, okay, here's 50 names or 100 names or 500 names that we want to vet with this brand and sort of whittle it down from 100 names to 50 names or whittle it down from 25 names to 10 names. Mm -hmm. And then hoping that, those 10 names, one of the 10 names works and wants to do it because there have been times when, you know, we whittle it down to 10 names and none of them want to do it. And then we're like, okay, back to the drawing board. So these 10 didn't do it, but what about 11 to 20? Right. There's been instances where that's happened, but is there, is there, uh, going back to your question, Laura, has there ever been, um, somebody influencer come to us? Yes, absolutely. Uh, because they know that we exist. They know that, hey, you know, at this time, I'm not working so much. Rembrandt, if you ever see anything that makes sense for me, will you let me know? And my answer is always yes, right? Obviously, if I think they make sense or they fit. So great. What are the questions you're supposed to ask if you're an influencer? 
to make sure you're protecting yeah, I mean, your brand. The thing is, you got to know, it, it, it depends what kind of influencer you are, right? So the influencer, a celebrity should ask, okay, so tell me about the company. Tell me why they want me um, to be part of this call. Why does it make sense for me to, to join this? And those are the questions, really, just to making sure that it, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't make them look bad in any way, shape, or form. So if this person has said, no, I'm, let's say, vegan, and the reason I'm vegan is because I believe in animal rights, then if they're, if they're on this conference call and they're doing a Zoom holiday party and people are eating meat, maybe it doesn't make sense for her to be involved. It doesn't fit her specific Her values, her right. Vegan, right. So it has to match everyone's set of, as you said, values, right? So to me, those are the questions that you need to ask at least the bare minimum, you know, and if there's certain things, again, like, uh, if you care about child labor, let's say you're a celebrity and goes like, I will never support a brand that uses child laborers, then you're probably not going to do something with a big brand, right? Like a Nike, not saying that they do this, but, you know, like an, a big brand like a Nike, because they've been, you know, there has been instances where people said like, no, they actually do use child laborers in China or whatever that may be. So then you shouldn't work with a brand like that. It just really depends mm-hmm. on your set of values that are way too important for you than the money at the end of the day. So it's the money or the values. Which Speaking one of money, money, is there <laughs> you give a broad range of how much these things, you know, can cost? No, um, it's, I've done everything, Laura, from, from doing something for as little as a couple hundred bucks for because this talent really just believed in this um mm-hmm. it, it was more of a charitable thing mm-hmm. but uh they're like no you know i don't even want the money I, I know they can only afford a couple hundred bucks let's just give it and give it back to the charity or whatnot i'm just gonna do this because i believe in them and i want to do this for them so z- literally zero versus mm-hmm. i've done a campaign where we paid a celebrity like a million dollars to post something on instagram or not maybe i think it was more than one instagram post a couple of instagram posts Oh my um, God. But, but you know what I mean? To me, it's just like, oh my gosh, are we at that point where someone can actually make that much off, off their social media? It's crazy to me. But like yeah, a, a it's so much. Is, that, is that rare? Yeah, it's so rare, Laura. So yeah. the majority of things are probably, I would say, you know, from the high fives to the middle of the sixes. And then do you have a separate... Uh, agreement or do you get a percentage of these deals or could it be either? yeah the majority the majority of the work i do is for getting an agency fee so we do get a percentage of um the total budget right so that's how it typically works has it worked where we just got a straight up project fee yes we've done right. that too but most times we work uh, on a percentage basis so if it was a six-figure deal or a seven-figure deal then we get a percentage of that and how long does it take you to like execute? Like, you know, if you're getting a certain amount of money and it takes you two weeks, great. But what if it ends up taking like eight months for whatever crazy and reason? It takes eight months. That's yeah. sort of the game, right? So yeah. I've been lucky where something's happened so fast. Like I literally did two emails and I got the deal done. And I was like, whoa, that was, that was great, you know? But that's, again, rare. And there are times where I've spent a couple of months um, working on a deal and it just really depends again on where we are where where the, the where the celebrity is are they are they on set right now is it going to take a long time to get an uh, answer are they in australia oh, on a movie yeah exactly because if they're in production at the moment it's so difficult i'd rather yeah. move on 
and work with another talent that's not. Did you say that you do work with mostly with agents and managers or not necessarily? I usually start off with celebrities first if I had to have that relationship. And then I go, hey, would you be interested in this? And then if they say yes, then I'm like, I already know that I'm going to go to the manager. Right, they bounce, right. Because it's like, I'm not going to negotiate with them unless it's a really tiny deal. And, you know, it's something that they can do really quickly for me. But if it's going to take a little bit more of the processes, then I kind of have to go through the proper channels, which is the agent or manager, or sometimes both, and then work through the details. Because if anything has to be signed, then it has to go to the agent and manager, right? So once you hire that celebrity, how do you make sure that they stay on message and actually promote what your brand wants them to promote rather than just talking about their relationship status, the right. breakup, the whatever the media right. is trying to push them to talk about. Yeah. So whenever we have the service days for that said celebrity, right? So um, whether it be one service day of eight hours or half of a service day or two service days or three service days or whatever it is, um, whatever's listed in their deliverables, the, the best way to keep them on message is they're already having the talking points. So we already have sort of stated um, to them like, hey, here are the points that you need to hit in this specific interview, whether that be an online interview or a podcast or whatnot. Um, and then they make sure to include all of this stuff and check it off while they go along. So we're very fortunate to sort of prep the talent ahead of time for every single media opportunity. So we're never in a position of like, wow, you didn't talk about us at all. Like that's never happened where they didn't talk about the brand because the brand brought them the opportunity. So it's not like they came to them for a completely other reason. The reason why is because, hey, you are now working with this brand. We want to interview about your relationship with this brand. So talk about this brand with us as well as talk about your personal life and all these other things um, later on in their interview because people want that as well. Do you think that consumers are aware of how much goes on behind the scenes or do you think most people think that the celebrity just digs this lipstick? I think they know now more than ever because they're seeing it more than ever, right? Right. So because of sort of the the Kardashian and Jenners, they kind of know like, okay, this is the brand that's paying them, so they have to talk about this brand. But yeah, I think that more people know now more than ever because these deals are so much more out there than ever, right? Because we have so many platforms now and because, you know, people see now hashtags like, oh, she's getting paid for it. How do we know? It says hashtag ad or it says in partnership with, you see those things on Instagram now. You they see have them. to be there, right? Yeah, they have to be yeah. there. We have to see be more upfront with it, but doing it in a way that's not gross, right? We, we, you know, brands also don't want to be like, oh my God, like, I don't want to do this because it looks so paid. So they want right. to sort of walk that fine line between both, right? But obviously, they know it's paid because it has to say paid because right. they're required to say that, but make the creative so strong that people will forget that it is a paid ad. And what's the goal usually to like sell more products? I mean, is that? Yeah, always. It's always to me, it's, yeah. it's, it's the reason why anyone does all the stuff that I, we've been mentioning is because it's, it's to sell more products so they can make more money to make more products to sell more products. But at the end of the day, it's a business and that's what businesses need. We're not talking about nonprofits at the moment. Right. We're talking about for profits. So they're trying to make a profit. And do you see uh, it really work? All the time. Like I said, 
It's, how could like I can't even like how much like how well can you give us any number or quantify? Yeah, I mean, I would say that at bare minimum, I would say anywhere from a twenty to twenty-five percent lift is to me successful, right? So if you were only selling ten things and now you're selling twelve things, those two things to me. Right. are successful because then you sold two more things than you had before that's why i think brands continue to this day haven't stopped advertising or using influencers celebrities on any of those platforms that we mentioned because it's working for them mm-hmm. is it going to work for every brand no and when people copy uh, certain sort of uncopyable moments like let's say the ocean spray moment with dog face right. on on tiktok just because you think that you're going to have someone drink something and play a Fleetwood Mac song uh, skating is going to work again? No. Yeah. That was once in a lifetime. Yeah. That is unicorn. That is like things that you could never pay for. Um, it wasn't even an advertisement. So it was literally a cultural moment that just happened once. And now the guy obviously is doing way better than before this yep. before he got famous for doing that that TikTok video went viral but you can't recreate that and people have tried people think that virality can come at any time by making it happen sort of you like force you, know, it. you yeah. can't force it yeah. and uh, advertisers and marketers have always tried and they've always failed um, thinking that they can they can recreate that but it doesn't happen that way I, and I'm thankful that it doesn't happen that way. There's something organic left in this world, right? Yeah, and then it forces you to wanna keep creating. I find when I talk to people, they don't understand that media relations and influence relations are completely separate techniques and approaches and, and I mean- Outcomes and- Outcomes, et cetera. But that said, what I'm curious about is how have you seen influence relations and media relations magnify each other? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, again, since we're very fortunate, we're an agency that does both. So the we only would pick a celebrity knowing that we're able to do media relations on behalf of that celebrity's partnership with that brand. And we kind of um, already have that down and baked in to their contract, right? So okay. how many service days do we have? which outlets can we go after? How much media can we buy um, on behalf of that, uh, this particular campaign? All those things are kind of have to be put front and center because if you don't have that in the contract already, guess what? You're not getting it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a million, right. It things. wasn't in the contract, so you're expecting me just to provide free. this for free? Yeah, free and PR. No. And there's been a situation where I've seen brands either forgot or didn't know to put that in a contract. And guess what? They had to pay the celebrity more. Again. Because they were like, well, you didn't do it. So you want us to do this? Then that's more work. You're putting more work on to the talent. So the talent deserves more money. And then you're going to fight to the nail now what that portion is worth versus you should have put that in. Because they would have negotiated, they would have negotiated that price depending. Right, on and it probably would have been less than you're now going to incrementally yes. have to tap be, on. Been better for you and more. Right, because now you're in a situation where they've got you over a barrel, basically. Correct. Right. Now they're like, well, you don't have a choice. So 
So you're going to pay us this month or we're just not doing it because we don't, we weren't supposed to do it anyways. Right. And now you're like, oh. Don't assume anything is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, Brutal. you know, I think, you know, that's a hard lesson for some of these brands, but, yeah. you know, a very important, valuable lesson. I think um, that April and I are willing and available to be an influencer. Oh, thank God. I was just going to ask you, <laughs> could I please use both of you for my next like the Cagney and Lacey of sorry that was was like who's Cagney and Lacey I was like who's Cagney and Lacey and that I was actually going to google that but I'm sure you're going to tell me why like the Laverne and Shirley of oh okay 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 (laughs) Laverne and Shirley that's something I understand everyone's a PR spokesperson that's right yeah. Maybe I'll come up with somebody who like was actually relevant in the last 50 years if I keep <laughs> talking. Yes, you're going to be tasked with that <laughs> job right now for the end of this. That's so funny. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, anyway, that will do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you represent Cision right. or, yes. or Muckrack. Exactly. When I rep Cision or Muckrack. <laughs> Muckrack will be like, hey, I need two women who really understand us. Yes, I'm going to say like, yeah, Lauren April for sure. They need, you need to put them on, on a social campaign with them for sure. Yes. So funny. Do you ever get media hits from Instagram or posts or, or anything like that where like the, the influencer wrote something and then somehow it generated media relations or is that? That's so funny. So let's say a celebrity, you know, tagged our brand and let's say they tagged yes. me or the agency or whatnot. Actually, yes, writers would actually like DM me or the agency, EFG's like Instagram and go like, hey, we saw that this campaign from X's Instagram post. Can we do a, a story on her? It's really weird. But yes, mm. um, you have these people who literally just found out because of Instagram versus, you know, instead of seeing, you know, PR Newswire or whatnot, um, or Business Wire or something. So, but it's happened and it's really funny to me, but that's, that's how information is, is shared nowadays. So I'm happy that it, it happened and I'm happy that they had the, the wherewithal to DM us and ask them right. and if we do it. And luckily we did are able to do those interviews because we had it in our contract. Um, <laughs> the interviews, so um, it worked out so smart but this has been such a fun hour and i'm so thankful for you guys being on, on no, the it's, been a, it's been a blast do you have a, do anything you want to plug do i have anything i want to plug always i am a publicist at heart i guess the one thing that i want you guys to know is there's an app called clubhouse that i'm kind of slightly addicted to if you don't know it write it down clubhouse it's a an app where you have to get invited to i'm, I'm happy to invite you both and it's an audio only app so if a podcast and Twitter had a baby, it would be Clubhouse. So Clubhouse, yeah. Google it. Um, and so I do now uh, every Tuesday for the last week, three weeks, I've been doing my own room uh, talking about influencer marketing, celebrity partnerships, branding, PR, and all that stuff hmm. at 8 a.m. every Tuesday on Clubhouse. Oh, 8 a.m. LA time though. Yeah, it's a room that I have on, on Clubhouse. Another thing I want to promote is basically my TikTok show. Get it? Talk show. Um, It's called One Minute Rembrandt, and that's where I interview celebrities for one minute just to catch up with with them because obviously I haven't been able to see a lot of my friends 
IRL. So we do it, you know, via FaceTime. And then um, they also try to challenge me on minute to win it with Rembrandt, meaning that it's these one, these games, silly games like cookie face or whipped cream toss. And I'm undefeated. Just kidding, Ooh. I lost once out of the 20 times that I, the 20 people that I've interviewed, but, um, but it's a lot of fun. So catch me on TikTok at one minute with Rembrandt. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. Very cool. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was really great. Yeah, and let's stay in touch. I'm, I'm excited to partner at some point in the near future. Yes. In 2021, I feel it's going to happen, April. I just <laughs> let's feel do it. it. I don't know why. I just sense it. Me too. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Well, have a good rest of your night. Thank you, guys. Thanks okay. so much. Okay, bye. Laura. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, bye, guys. All right, what else do we have here? We've got... So what, what not to do from PR pros who know? Yes, but I think today is what to do, right? Ooh, let's hear it. What's what's the to do? Well, it's got we've got both sides of the coin. So we're going to start by telling you what to do if you want to be a successful PR person for some of our younger brethren. And here is our advice. Be the multitasking maniac that's within you because it's fairly key in becoming a well-rounded PR person. Now there, I'm gonna sidebar right now. There are people who I know that you hire and uh, you know other agencies I work with hire to be like writers or to be proposal creators or to maybe even be like the social media person. And those people are highly specialized and they might write for PR firms and marketing firms and a financial company. And, but that's, that's what they do. I'm talking about PR people who either work in an agency or are looking to become, you know, the director of communications or public relations at a big company, et cetera. You need to do, or at least know how to do a lot of different kinds of things from events to writing a press release, to pitching media, to dealing with clients, to dealing with reporters, to, you know, crisis communications, keeping track of media coverage and being able to put together a report, whatever it is, right? You have to have that at your fingertips and you have to be able to do all of that and write emails and memos to people you work with and people who might be new business and people who are your clients. All of that stuff that I just mentioned, you might do that in one day, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so what I have found when working in an agency, people are like, ah, like used to doing that kind of stuff all the time, all the time, working, 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 a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. And you a little bit ADD, which usually isn't a good thing. But I think in PR, especially in an agency, it is a good thing mm -hmm. to be able to be like multitask, multitask. I'm dealing with five clients. I'm emailing 10 people, whatever. If you let the number of things you're doing be conflated with the number of hours you're working, then things can fall apart pretty quickly. Right. So that, so that was my point. Like my personality and my experience was like, go, 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 go. And maybe the press release is going to need a few edits that you missed, but it doesn't matter because you got to write 20 and somebody else has to review it and you got to keep going and go, you can't spend five days rewriting and rewriting and re if this thing's got to go out. Right. Yeah. So it's a personality type. It is. Yeah, and I think it's getting good at writing on deadline, which for yeah. me, being a, a newspaper reporter was something I honed right. really early on, right? Because I was a crime reporter and I had to go out to the scene of the fire or whatever the crime was right. and then have a story for page one in an hour. 
Right. Write it. You had an editor, like, right? You uh, wrote it. You re reread it. You <laughs> yeah. fixed it. Then you had an editor who yeah. fixed whatever else, and then it yeah. was out. Right. Yeah. So if you really want to be a PR person, well-rounded PR person, so so that's what to do. Go do all of these things and say yes to all of it. Yeah, because it's just yeah. and a lot of times you're like, oh my god, I'm so stressed out. Uh, just you guys got to jump in and you got to do it. And so what not to do on the other side is. You know, when you're starting out in your PR career, don't be like, uh, like, don't be hard to just do it. Like you're young and this is like kind of why you exist in the PR world is to like do all of this crap. But if you really want to keep moving up the ladder and make yourself attractive because you never know what's going to happen. There might be layoffs that somebody might decide they hate you and you're fired and that job that you thought was so cushy and all of a sudden you're out there in space and you don't really know how to do that much. Mm -hmm. That's good um, advice. And I would say to add to the what not to do in these, along these lines, I think it's not think about all the things you have to do all at the same time. So it's being really good at making a list and keeping track of all of it. And, you know, if you're somebody, I mean, I actually have a weird brain where all these things I can store in my head, but a lot of people need to write them down. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think it just depends on your personality and, you know, what you're naturally good at. But I think the main thing you can't do is go, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this all today. And then you just get paralyzed mm -hmm. and you can't function anymore. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you don't do anything mm -hmm. because you're just worried that you have all this work to do. When actually, if you just put it on to the list and you're like, all right, I got this moving on. Like this one's done. Yep. Bang. This one's done. Bang. This one's done. Bang. You know, rather than you just have to kind of take it moment by moment, you know? the anxiety of it is worse than actually doing it. Cause when I've had 100%. those days where I'm like, Oh my God, how can I do this all? And then you just get into it all of a sudden it's like, and it's actually done faster than you think. When I realized PR people are kind of special off the wall people in terms of just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And other people, even in marketing are like, ah, like this whole, let's think about it and rewrite it and show it to 10 people. And yeah. oh my God, I was like, I can't even like, I, I won't even remember this tomorrow. I'm on to 10 other things. Like, let's move it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we have any other, any other tips we want to? Um, so I guess going back to like, you know, when you're a new PR person, try not and get mad when you get assigned 18 <laughs> for, things at once yeah really you have to try to and, and believe me I certainly was mad but now looking back it only helps you later on and maybe you're mad because the person who gave it to you you know is dumping it on you because they don't want to do it so I understand why it's annoying and sometimes but, it feels like that and sometimes it is that and sometimes it's just you don't have any concept of how much the other person's doing Right. Who knows what they're doing too. Right. Exactly. They're but, probably overseeing twice as much stuff as you're being given. Good point. Yeah. You know, right. Cause you don't know what you don't see and nobody right. does, no matter how old you are. Right. So. Right. Okay. I like it. So let's put a bow on that. Don't turn down any kind of task when you're starting your PR career, the more tools in your PR box, the more valuable you will be. Love it. We also have today the, news of the week okay and this is about the third monolith that popped up these you know you've been hearing about these yeah. mysterious metal monoliths that are popping up now they were in utah romania and california 
And so what's the latest? Is there like a breaking news on this before we uh let's Google it really quickly. Oh, the UK, eight hours ago. Two hours Ooh. ago? Ooh, but then an artist group takes credit for them. According to I was the sure it was like Banksy or something, but okay. The Isle of Wight. Three minutes ago there was a new one in on Dutch Shrubland. Right. So so artists or aliens? An, another one outside of a sweet shop in Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay. So, so what's the, what's this, like, why is this happening? Okay. So let's look. The New York Post says a, an article from two days ago where an artist group took credit for the Utah one. But then they disappear as mysteriously as they show, right? I don't know that we know for sure. And how are they then getting monoliths all over? I mean, it, so the question becomes, is it just a bunch of people? Is it actually coordinated effort? Or is it somebody started it as a stunt and then there were a bunch of copycats? Right. That's what I'm thinking. Or is it, because when I, before I knew this, I was thinking to myself, it's probably like to the Stars Academy's stunt to get people talking about alien activity or something, right? So that, that was what my guess was, because I, I know... So, Maybe it's that cheap sparkling wine company. I mean, it's super on brand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks like an artist group took credit, but now, now the question is, did they really do it or are they taking credit to get PR? I mean. But for who? Well, yeah. So, but are they, are they taking credit for something they didn't do just so that they get right. noticed? This artist group, I mean, yeah. That's my question. I like, did you see the one where it was like, had the numbers of like the floor numbers, like 10 to 30 go this way, 40 to 50 go that way. Like people were doing funny things on top of it on social media, just to oh, that's make funny. fun of it. You know, like, the, like when you get in a big uh, office building or whatever, and there's like the silver thing that tells you which way to go to go to like the, right. the elevators for the other floors or whatever. Yeah, they did right. that. So, so that always is funny to like make for a social media discussion you know water cooler sort of thing right right, right. well you know it was on the it was on the pr week podcast that i listened to this week oh and the, right and the comment there was he didn't want to say anything about it in case it really was aliens he didn't want to get on their bad side before they came down well i mean why would you say a bad thing about it anyway it's not like a bad thing right you could just say maybe it's the stupid thing or but that's uh, i mean I the, in my mind I feel like if it really were aliens, it would be a lot more interesting. I feel like it's people imitating what they think aliens would do. Right, right. Not really what aliens would do, because it doesn't seem that interesting. Aliens will melt our faces off if they come. No, I like this kind of thing, though. How, I mean, why is it any different than, you know, their subway cars now overnight suddenly showing up completely covered in, you know, around with uh, graffiti again? Oh, really? Yeah. They're back at it. Yeah, and I can't imagine that there aren't cameras in like the train yards or something, like that aren't catching who's doing it. Because back in the 70s or 80s, there weren't cameras everywhere. Now I feel like there's a camera on every building. So yeah, they were showing on the news the other day. I mean, the whole car, like from top to bottom, all the way around, amazing artwork, you know? So but, this is professional tagging, right? It's not- Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't just like me, like And are they, put, are they putting their tags on it? Can, I mean, do you know? That's a good question. I, I don't know if they are, and I doubt that like, you know, some lame reporter would know. Right, because I used to be friends with a graffiti artist in Long Island City, you know, I lived there. And oh. I was friends with all the guys at, at Five Points. Five Points. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Mirrors and the whole gang. So I was wondering if it was like, 
you know, Mears always puts like Mears one or, you know, like they always right. have there their was own. like older, older guys, Sane Smith and all these older tag. And yeah, they yeah would exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it could be those guys. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but this was legit art. And of course, right. everybody's like, oh no, it's, it really is the 80s again. Like, because that was one of the things that they got rid of because they said it was like caused crime or yeah, yeah, yeah. indicative of crime. Bringing the, edgy, the edginess back to New York, it took a pandemic. It was the only way. I haven't seen a monolith yet in New York, but you might not notice it. <laughs> They're everywhere. Unless it was like, maybe, Funny. did you watch Spinal Tap? You a fan of the movie yeah, yeah. Spinal Tap? So you know how they, the song Stonehenge, and it was supposed to come down on the stage, and then it turned out it was like 16 inches tall, and like they had two little people like doing a jig around it. They were like, what the hell? And he said, I just followed, you know, the sketch. And he, sa he said, 16 inches. He goes, that's foot. It was supposed to be 16 feet high. So maybe these monoliths were supposed to be 60 feet high, not just like 60 inches high. I mean, that then I would think it was aliens. Right. Because that seems hard to pull off. There you go. That's my, my, my favorite answer. It is a okay. spinal tap <laughs> play. <laughs> I like it. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a good stunt, whoever's doing it. It's getting all kinds of coverage all over the world. I, I, think it. it's, I think it's a wrap. I think so, too. Thank you so much for tuning in for the PR Wind Down podcast. And many thanks to our guest, Rembrandt. What a name for right? joining us today. He was awesome. We had a wonderful interview. So fun. Remember that you can submit your own agency stories and questions. And as always, we appreciate your support. So please share our show with your friends and colleagues. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating. Five stars a bonus. And if you have an anonymous PR horror story of your own, you need to send it to us at the contact email below the episode notes. We can't wait to wind down with you again next week. Bye. Bye.